Hello everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Type Beam. This one's a very special one, because this is going to be our very last Expanse episode recap and discussion. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but let's just hop on in, because we, we've got quite a bit to talk about. So let me make sure we talk to our hosts, because I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Andrea and Fred. Andrea, how are you doing, and how are you feeling as we head into our final uh, single episode recap? Because obviously we have a roundup, but you know what I mean. There's a lot of emotions going into this um, episode. I think that the show has done so much, not just for fans, but like in everybody's lives. It has impacted so many people in so many different ways that like knowing that this is the end of this particular story, um, not knowing what's going to happen in the future uh, when it comes to the expanse is bittersweet. Very, very sad. because it's it's the end of fantastic years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm a little bit numb. <laughs> <laughs> now, Fred, uh, obviously, in the last episode, we talked about the penultimate episode. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts uh, before we go into the final episode. Well... Yeah, good, good question. I'm okay. First off, I'm I'm doing okay. You know, we're going into the final episode here. We are really numb and really sad that the television series is ending. Um, but there's lots of other things that are still coming. Um, book nine has dropped. I haven't read it yet, so to me, I still have more content to absorb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is, and I, I I'm kind of pushing it off a little bit. Um, I started reading book six. Um, and I'll go through seven, eight, and then obviously I'll hit number nine. Uh, so it's really fresh with all the content of that particular storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot there, but there, there's more coming, and we'll dig into that um, uh, shortly. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, um, it's a little, like, surreal, because, like, on my way home, I was like, haha, we're doing our final two episode recaps, because uh, as we've mentioned before, we do two at a time just to because someone's having a baby soon um we wanted to make sure we got through this before christmas um and we did and we did well i mean mean, not yet almost but we got through our episode episode. (laughs) we we did get through our episode recaps before christmas i will say that i don't want to say anything about our recap like our whole season discussion but i'm proud of us we did it we stuck to a goal and we achieved it um but I'll put it this way. Um, I haven't been able to get through. Oh, I'm already starting to feel it. I haven't been able to get through a single viewing of this episode without crying. Aww. A single one. Every time I think I'm going to get it this time. Nope. Nope. I don't know if I've told this story, but. Um, so I, I watched these screeners with uh, some other people who have screeners. And the first time we watched it. There was a particular shot, and maybe I'll talk about it at the end of the episode. Um, But there's a particular shot where the second it came up, I felt it. And I immediately muted myself in the chat so they couldn't hear me crying. And just sat here and sobbed for the rest of the episode, right? 
two hours later, I go upstairs. I've taken a shower. I feel a little better. And I said, all right, I'm going to watch the last couple minutes. Maybe not cry. It'll be great. I made it through that shot. <laughs> but the, then at the very end, after there's a transition, and that, again, we're going to talk about this transition. It's part of the episode. It hit the transition, and I just started bawling again. <laughs> and I was like, and maybe in part because, you know, I I watched these, you know, right before I got the final book or right around when I got the final book. And it was just a lot of finality all at once. And but yeah, this this thing has meant a lot to me. I'm trying. I told I I've can't get I can't talk without crying. And it's just to see like the culmination, not just of this show, but of our work, like everything we've done over the last few years, it's, it's surreal and it's, I'm proud of us and of them. And it's just a lot, a lot of emotions and I'm sure I'm going to cry. I can feel it coming. I don't know if I've said this on the show either, but I one time wrote a, a letter to Steven. I said to his face, I wrote this down because I knew if I said this out loud to you, I would cry. This is why I, I can't talk about anything because my first response is to cry. And then I did walk away from him and cry. So like I, I, I did make it, but I still cried. So like you can't win with me here. So let's talk about something else <laughs> for a few minutes. Uh, one thing we never got to talk about together, because we recorded our first four episodes before the first episode even dropped on Amazon Prime, was the night the first episode dropped on Amazon Prime at the Game Awards, they surprise dropped a teaser for a brand new video game called The Expanse, a Telltale series. Um, so the trailer obviously featured Drummer. It's been weeks now. I think we all, like everybody's seen it. Um, and it was very exciting. There is one thing in it that we all thought was like, didn't belong. And I'll see if you guys can pick it out while we're discussing this. Um, but it appears to be a drummer prequel. So it's about drummer before the events, before she, not before the events of the expanse necessarily, but before she appears on the expanse or maybe leading into it. Who knows? We don't know yet. It was just announced. Um, for those of you who don't know, Telltale is a company that has made, well, the original Telltale. And after I ask you guys for your thoughts, I'll go into that. The original Telltale released hits such as The Wolf Among Us, The Walking Dead, Batman, Tales from the Borderlands, and Fred's absolute favorite, Wallace and Gromit's Grand Adventure. Um, they, <laughs> yeah, are, <laughs> they are known for that. You've told me to include it, so I included it. Um, they are known for their decision-based Games. So they're not really heavy on the action, on the combat, but they're very focused on storytelling mm -hmm. and allowing you to dictate what kind of character you're going to play. The Wolf Among Us is one of my favorite games. I, agree. I have played that game so many times. Andrea knows. We're I big Wolf Among Us fans here. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, I definitely want to hear your guys' thoughts. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the teaser. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you're thinking. How do you feel about the, the Expanse, the Telltales, a Telltale series? So first off, I'm really excited for more 
expands content. So that alone is going yeah. to be fantastic. And this isn't really going to be uh, like a first-person shooter or anything like that. It's going to be a narrative. So you're going to follow a choose-your-own-adventure path. And I expect that different decisions that you make will impact the course of the game um, somewhat on rails, but there'll be different outcomes that you can achieve through the choices that you make, uh, being good or evil or uh, the way that um, your factions will align. Mm -hmm. So that that I'm really looking forward to. I think that if the story follows the same, the Wolf Among <clears throat> Us or the Walking Dead kind of style of storytelling, it will be emotional, it will be exhilarating, and it will be quite the experience. So I'm looking forward to it um, because they have some really great games under the, their belts. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so no, it's time to address the, uh, the wolf in the room. Uh, for those of you who play video games, you might be aware that a couple years ago, Telltale was in the news for... Slightly less exciting things. Um, and something I actually had a personal connection to because my friend had just gotten a job there. Um, the original Telltale Games uh, shut uh, it, it, incredibly abruptly about two years ago. Uh, fired all of its employees, no notice, no severance pay, nothing like that. Apparently, from what I recall, it was like bought by some like hedge fund bros or something. And they just like, completely ruined it or some something of that nature uh and you know my friend is in a happy job still working in game development um but it was a really dark time because like telltale was beloved and now you had this beloved company just like doing something that isn't really great um so i i've pulled up and I'll, i'll try to read it as fast as i can um, a statement from Telltale Games that they actually tweeted yesterday. So this is like brand new information. Um, so Telltale is so under this new... this is uh, yesterday, December 21st. 21st, yes, yeah. December 21st. Um, Telltale is back. At the end of 2019, we announced to the world that we were back under new management and a whole new studio. And we're doing things different this time. Who are we? We're industry veterans, former members and fans of the original Telltale, Honoring that legacy of great storytelling. We're using a new engine, Unreal, yes, while sustainably developing whole seasons at once. And yes, we announced The Wolf Among Us Season 2 going into pre-production in December 2019, which Andrea Andrea did remember, so like, she, she knows what's up. Uh, since then, we've re-released a number of games we retained the rights to, released the new Shadows mode for Batman the Telltale series, and really started getting to the work, getting to work during the lockdowns of 2020. So what now? We're so excited for what comes next. We've announced we announced partnering with Deck Nine Games on The Expanse, a Telltale series, and we'll have some more to share about our games and the studio in the next issue of Game Informer. If you read Game Informer, then hang in for early next year when we can go deeper into things with The Wolf Among Us too. It's been two years since we first signaled Telltale's rebirth. We've done so much in that time, and we have so much more work ahead of us. We'll continue sharing what news we can, when we can. Most important, thank you so much for your support while we rebuild a studio and create new games. And they did answer 
some people were like, you know, we're nervous about this. We're nervous about this. And they actually were really good answering people's questions in the reply. And so one people, one person said, this was a reply I specifically wanted to find, and thank God it's near the top. Uh, I'm watching with cautious optimism. I, and I'm sure many others, would love to be kept updated on what your management is doing to avoid the worker abuses of past management. To which they said, one of the foundations of the new Telltale is sustainable production. We are focusing on doing this smarter and better. Take our teaming up with Deck 9 to create the expanse. We go into this and more in the next issue of Game Informer. Okay, so good. it's, yeah, so it sounds like part of what they're doing to make sure what happened doesn't happen again is bringing in other studios to develop games with collaborating more than just doing things in house until they are firmly established. Cause my friend said, it feels weird whenever she sees telltale, when I told her about the game, um, that it feels like looking at a zombie because it's, it is new management. It's not the same company. And I know when it came back, a lot of people are really dubious because of how everything went down and now suddenly it's back. Right. But, you know, knowing that they're working on stuff, that they have a couple things in the tank and a couple things to work on and that they are, like I said, there's, if you guys look there, they responded to so many people who reached out to them about different things. Like it does seem right now in 2021 that they are looking to making Telltale better than it was and trying to maybe come back to what made Telltale great in the first place. And I really hope that's how it goes. Um, they make great games. I, I really love the nuance with which they tell stories. The Wolf Among Us, again, is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and that's why I'm excited for The Expanse, because Drummer is, is an interesting character, just like Bigby, in that she is so nuanced and walks the, the, this line and I, I would love to see how they tell her story. I love that they're using Unreal Engine uh, because their games used to have a comic book quality look to them. And now, like, looking at Drummer, she is, like, 3D, baby. She is a yeah. person. And she's voiced by Kara G. Do not worry. It's still Kara G. So, looking at the trailer, they still have that aspect of animation behind it. They're not going yeah. for that full... Yeah. Um human-esque or virtual reality look like that yeah. some of the games are going with um so i do appreciate that to a certain degree keeping it um, gamey and it'll keep production costs down and the ship looks great the environment oh, looks yeah. amazing yeah so when the trailer dropped i was in the preview party or the preview the premiere party and chris danilin was there um who is uh he created a lot of the VR environments for the expanse. Like he, he worked in the art department and he uh, jumped in the call when we were talking about the trailer and said, like the ship felt like the expanse. Like mm. it, it felt like the world that he had helped build. He said he kind of wanted a dead, dead space vibe. And that's what he was getting. And I mean, Aside from the shotgun casing, all of it felt very expanse. Yeah. Like, it, it felt like we were there. And getting to play... The expanse always felt like a world that could be played in a video game, and I'm very excited that we're going to have that opportunity. No, I agree. I'm excited for it to come out and see how it shapes up, and maybe this will be the start of many other um, types of prequels for The Expanse. Yeah, and Andrea and I just want to see our our boy. 
Well, I kind of look at the, Wolf. the Expanse, <laughs> a Telltale series. Does that mean they're looking at more than just one? They're doing a series mm. of games? Or are we going to get a series of different characters we can follow as prequels? Is it just Drummer, or is it more mm. than that? There, the, yeah, there's a lot to... A lot of content they can possibly go with. Yeah. In the past, the way they framed... Have you ever played a Telltale game, Fred? Uh, through the, the titles that you, you read off earlier, no, I haven't played any of those. So the way... and I, I'm hoping you're right, because that's, that's what excites me, is that open-ended title. In the past, the way they've, they've titled their games, all their games are X, a Telltale series, because they released their games episodically. Um, so Wolf Among Us had what four or five episodes? Basically, like you would get the first episode. So in that in that thing I read you, they talked about finishing a whole game at once. What they meant by that was they would release the episodes as they were finished, as they were polished and ready to go. Uh, they were le- released staggered. So like you would get the first episode, the second episode, the third episode. So the vibe you got from the idea of series was the series of episodes, but they often did multiple seasons. And so The Wolf Among Us was technically like season two or part two, I forget what they called it, uh, before they shut down. So the, I'm hoping that when they say Telltale series this time, they mean it like they have in the past, where we get multiple seasons and not just at the series as in episodes. But it's hard to know unless the game's successful, and I'm hoping it's successful. A lot of people were really excited about it. I had people text me about it who didn't know The Expanse because they knew I liked it. Um, and I was like, I already found it. You're too oh, late. Yeah. You're, not, you're not fast enough for me. Gotta be quicker than that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So, very excited uh, to, to see this Telltale game within the next couple of years. And The Wolf Among Us. I'm excited for that one. <laughs> I want to play like, it again. Screw The Expanse. I want to play The Wolf Among Us. I mean, I want to play it again, too. We should, like, we should do a stream or something one day, you and I, Andrea. That would be fun. But enough about that. Because we got got to talk about the the final episode of The Expanse. The elephant in the room. We've we've done the wolf in the the room. Now we are (laughs) talking about the elephant. Yeah. Ooh, The Railgun in the Room will be a great title for our penultimate episode. Because <laughs> remember, I tried to tried to make that the title for the third episode, but oh, the real good. okay. Moving on, <laughs> I'm I'm de- be- delaying it as much as I can. So let's talk about season six, episode six, Babylon's Ashes. So Babylon's Ashes is the title of book six, which is the inspiration for season six. Babylon was the ancient city where some of the most influential empires of the ancient world ruled. It was the capital of the Babylonian Empire, and it was considered to be a center of commerce, art, and learning, and is estimated to have been the largest early city in the world, perhaps the first to reach a population above 200,000. In the Hebrew Bible, the name appears as Babel, interpreted in the book of Genesis to mean confusion, uh, from the verb bilbel, to confuse, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. I, I don't speak Hebrew. Um, the Tower of Babel narrative in Genesis 11, 1, 9, chapter 11, verse 1 through 9, for those of you who don't know what that means, uh, is an, <laughs> I'm Catholic, is an origin myth meant to explain why the world's people speak different languages. 
According to the story, a united human race in the generations following the Great Flood, speaking a single language and migrating eastward, comes to the land of Shinar, where they agree to build, or there they agree to build a city and a tower tall enough to reach heaven. God, observing their city and tower, confounds their speech so that they can no longer understand each other and scatters them around the world. Some modern scholars have associated the Tower of Babel with known structures, notably, and I'm probably going to butcher this, Etemenaki, a ziggurat dedicated to the Mesopotamian god Marduk in Babylon. Now here's where he gets other interesting tidbits. In October of 331 BC, Darius III, the last Achaemenid king of the Persian Empire, was deleted, (laughs) also deleted, (laughs) was defeated by the forces of the ancient Macedonian ruler, Alexander, at the Battle of Gaugamela. Under Alexander, Babylon again flourished as a center of learning and commerce. However, Following Alexander's death in 323 BC in the palace of Nebuchadnezzar, his empire was divided amongst his generals, the Diadochi, and decades of fighting soon began. The constant turmoil virtually emptied the city of Babylon. So here we go. Now, Babylon here could mean a couple things, right? Uh, Soul pre-rings or even soul pre-war. Let me take it a little bit further. So we got the Tower of Babel, which is kind of like the rings scattering people who don't understand each other amongst the stars. That's one of the first things that kind of came to mind, especially mm-hmm. when you were reading that through with the um, the Bible reference. Mm-hmm. One of the other feelings that I had for Babylon's ashes was a new beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, ashes as in ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? Yep. Um, and then the starting of something new. Mm-hmm. I did. I have that in there as well. So we're on the same page. Yeah. I wrote a new world rising from the ashes of old. Yeah. No, of course. We're we're together. No, because I hadn't read that yet. So I was like, yeah, same wavelength, same <laughs> brain. Um. I also wanted to note again here that Marco fashions himself as the new Alexander the Great which is why the episode about the rocks falling slash his greatest victory in season five was called Gagamela. So very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, any thoughts on, on the title, how it feels to you, what it means to you? No, I agree with the analysis that you guys brought forth. I, I do um, agree about um, the idea of new world rising um, from the ashes of the old um, and new beginnings. That's the most mm. important thing that after all this chaos and after all the destruction, there is the potential for some form of life. Mm-hmm. Good talk. Good talk. All right. So um, when it comes to this final, final episode, it was written by Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank and also Naren Shankar. Um, it was directed by none other than Breck Eisner. And in brief, the final stand against the Free Navy is set. As the combined fleet tries to intercept them in transit to the ring, the Rasanante leads an assault on the ring station and Medina. When the Rasanante becomes the only thing between Marco and Victory, Naomi comes up with a final drastic plan. In the aftermath, Earth, Mars, and the Belt try to find a way forward together. 
Uh, and the new title sequence, it continues to amaze. Um, be sure to watch every intro as they change episode to episode. Um, one of the differences that we see in this one is the ring station defenses are complete. And uh, when we do the overall season breakdown, we'll go episode by episode and we'll highlight all the different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the breakdown uh, this episode, uh, we'll do it in chronological order rather than the location. Uh, as the episode is pretty fragmented by the battle. Um, So we will start um, in Laconia before the battle. So uh, I totally forgot to write Laconia into here because obviously I didn't care that much about it. Just kidding. Uh, So I'm going to try my best to summarize Laconia now so so we can talk about it. Uh, Basically, Duarte is there. He's watching his creepy ship. Uh, Kara brings Jean home to see her parents. Uh, Her parents... Obviously, do not welcome Jean home, and they lock him in a closet and and leave to go get help. So, uh, or they they lock him in a closet. Kara distracts them and they leave to go help her. And then she sneaks back in and takes him away. They run into the woods together, um, and she plans to go stay with him and the dogs and keep him safe. And he says, "But you'll, but you'll die," uh, which reminds me of like a, an old Robert Downey Jr. joke I used to make all the time. Um, and he and she just says, well, that's fine. The dogs will fix me, which is the most ominous thing I've ever heard in a television show. Uh, and they go off in the woods together as Jean looks at Kara and he can see all inside her. And Duarte, while all this is happening, just stands there and watches his creepy ship. How was that? That was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> I really thought the parents wouldn't be so against their son i don't know they seem so have you seen his eyes <laughs> well yeah and so... she cut, they cut him and he healed a little weird yeah but they got so i don't know i think first reactions you know your one of your children has died and you see your son you wouldn't be mm-hmm. so um disgusted struggled. not disgusted but uh, confrontational they were definitely um, freaked out. I think they'd be a little bit more curious. I don't know. I If I see a creepy kid coming towards me, regardless if he's mine or not, if he's coming towards me with his black creepy eyes, blood on his shirt, and he was dead a minute ago, he's like, can I have a hug? I too would be like, <laughs> what in the world is going on here? I was just, I, I, I get everyone's perspective here. Like, I get John's. Right, I get Kara's. I definitely get the parents. Um, but I—I I mean, I don't know if I would have locked him in a closet. I think uh, <laughs> that was a lot. Oh yeah, I, I get where they're coming from, and I—I I get that they're <laughs> this, there's something wrong with their son that he's not <laughs> uh, who he was a few days before, uh, obviously. But um, I, I just saw thought their re- reaction was very strong. Mm-hmm. I found it like really interesting that like after even after everything um in the very end he's so worried about what's going to happen to his sister and she's like it's okay if anything happens the dogs will fix me <laughs> I was like whoa I literally when I watched it <laughs> the first time with with my friends I literally went Ak, excuse me yeah <laughs> Like, hello? She doesn't care. That's not normal. Kara 
That's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that is not healthy thinking, my girl. Um, that was it. Was a lot. It definitely was a lot. And so was Duarte staring at his creepy ship. Mm-hmm. Like, I that thing creeps me out so much. Can I be real? That thing spooks me. And I now see that thing in action. They did kind of the trailer did kind of make it look like it was going to be moving. Yeah. And it did not move. Uh, but well, it, it technically was it was wiggling. Yeah, it was like lighting up. It was like putting on a show, you know. It was like a Disney light show uh, up in the sky. It was like a dancing girl on a speaker at a nightclub. <laughs> That's his pretty little girl. <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, I I just can't get over this girl, like, smiling, saying, like, if I die, the dogs will fix me. That's not, okay. That's how it works. That's, that's totally how it works, Carrie, you're right. She's like a kitten, she has nine lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do kind of like how there's this kid whose curiosity is going to kill this cat. Uh, but that she's so a hundred percent committed to to following this through this this curiosity, this wanting to experiment, this wanting to learn about these things that she will sacrifice herself to science. Yeah, not not necessarily like that, but like, dang, she's a kid. But, yeah, she's very strong, strong-willed for sure. Hmm. And I mean, she sees Laconia as her home, and then maybe she sees like, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, maybe she sees this like letting the dogs, you know, bring her back the way they brought Jean back if she dies, like, become really truly making this her home, you know, becoming one with this place that she loves. But it's also weird. I thought it was pretty neat how accepting she was. Yeah. And I think that has a lot to be desired in humanity in general. Just the automatic position of fearfulness versus acceptance. Yeah. So I I do agree that there's a lot of acceptance and understanding that things are different. I mean, if this was happening in our Earth, like there would be a lot less um, acceptance and more resistance to uh, understanding what is going on. But these kids were brought to study these different animals, these different creatures. Um, And she found something that was so fascinating and she put it to the test. And I mean, she found something beautiful, Um, regardless of how creepy it is. Like she found a way to have an afterlife. So I think it has a lot to do with the innocence of a child versus uh, the skepticism of a, of an adult. So I, I think that has a lot to lot to say about this particular scene, um, just how accepting um, of matter of fact it is uh, mm. as a child. Where her parents, even though they know it's their son, um, just they're so against it. Anything anything else about Laconia? No, it was short, sweet. I no, I lied. 
there's not a no. Um, it was short, it was speed. I understand why they wanted to put this particular story into the show. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way that we're not mm -hmm. getting gonna get a lot more out of it. Um, they tease so much about um like Duarte's ship and um the potential for these dogs. And I know that it could be considered like a what if or a mm -hmm. potential opening for something new to come from the expanse, but it just it bothered me that it was thrown in there more for like maybe the fans instead of um just closing out the other stories and not leaving any open-ended questions. But I understand why they did it. Mm -hmm. It just I want to see more. So I'm I'm assuming they're they're not putting this in just for fan service. I'm assuming they're not putting it in for book readers and that I'm assuming they're leaving a potential door open for a new series to be taken uh, mm -hmm. from Laconia's point of view and from that story forward. Um, maybe not following the events of the Rosinante and the crew that we love so much but from uh, what's happening on the other side of the gates so i have complicated feelings about it um i i feel like they are leaving a door open maybe not necessarily to a uh, uh, side series but possibly to the future coming back to the story um because you do kind of need this story to set up everything that comes in the rest of the expanse um in the books so I, I understand why, but I can't help but think, you know, the show watchers who have nothing, no, not necessarily, it's not like they, they are ignorant to what happens next, but they don't have a connection to this particular short story. They don't necessarily always have a connection to what comes next for The Expanse after book six arc because they haven't read them. Right. And obviously you're always going to have people who are interested in the protomolecule story. And a lot of people complained that season five wasn't about the protomolecule. And I'm not going to get into that whole debate, but there are plenty of Expanse fans who only watch the show, who have zero connection to anything outside of what we've already seen and what's on the screen. And I have seen some rumblings of discontent that when you have six episodes they want to have more time with the characters that they already love, that they already yeah. know. And so a lot of people are kind of disappointed that they, you know, there are moments that they want to see that not necessarily that they feel Strange Dogs is taking away from, but when you only have six episodes, you want, like, especially now that it's come out that, like, they had to cut entire plots featuring Prax and Anna because Amazon would only give them six episodes or would only help pay for six episodes as it were. And so a lot of people are disappointed. They were like, okay, so you're said you're giving us this open-ended plot for something we may never see the, the culmination of when we could have had more times with characters we love or wanted to see again. And I don't think that's, I think that's a fair argument. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, I think they have a point. <laughs> When they say that, because it's it's true, like in making sure you leave the door open for what comes next in the books, if there are people who don't read the books or don't have any interest in going to read them or what have you, they might feel like this isn't this wasn't done for their benefit. 
and mm-hmm. or might feel like that the things that they would have wanted to see were kind of put to the side for this. And I'm I I see where they're coming from. I'm not sh- I haven't decided where I fall on the spectrum, but I do understand it. It makes sense cuz I have a lot of friends who haven't read the books who are just like I don't get it. I I don't get it. And that's fair. And I'm interested to see what they what people think at the end of this, but it does kind of leave a bitter taste in the mouth as a book and book reader and show watcher to have them set up the storyline that I know they need to open the door for either another series, uh, more stories or it, or coming back to this story maybe one day, but I'm not sure how I feel about it being included, knowing that it was the last season. Yeah. Um, and I'm, it might, it might be a while before I figure out how I feel. I do love strange dogs. The story. I don't hate that it's included. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they were wrong to include it, but I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I don't think I've had taken enough time to think about it because I mean, I'm, I'm here for the main story when I watch season six. Um, I'm here for the, the re- resolution of the main plot of season five. Um, so I'm, who knows? Who knows? I don't know how I'm going to feel yet, but it does feel a little weird. I can't lie and say that I loved it and its inclusion uh, having seen all of it, just because I'm not sure where it's going to lead. I don't disagree that um, it's bittersweet that we only got six episodes. I'm very thankful for what we did get. There's always going to be a desire for more. I've always been um, one of the ones that said 10 episodes per season wasn't enough. So it stings a little bit more when we only got six. Um, that being said, I'm very thankful for what we got and yeah, I, I appreciate yeah. uh, the show for what it is. I'm not going to say any more about that. That's fair. No, I, I'm totally, I'm not saying I hate the six episodes either. It's just no. a fact no, I know. that yeah. I need to include for my point, but, um, I don't, I don't know if they could have done this in 10 episodes either. Like, I feel like eight would have been a nice, happy medium, but again, the business is difficult. I get it. I'm grateful for every episode of The Expanse we get after season three. Every single one. Because we could not have had this. We could not have had this end, this beautiful ending. So mm-hmm. definitely just just a thing that, like, it's just an important context to why something in the story feels weird to me. That's all. But I, I, I completely agree with you, though. Every episode is a gift. So. Awesome. Anything else on Laconia before we head into the next section? All right, heading into what we have dubbed before the battle. Uh, The battle commanders meet to detail their strategies. The UNN, MCRN, and OPA ships will intercept the Free Navy before they can catch the ring in the hopes of thinning out the herd. Holden reveals they have a plan to sneak past them into the ring, using an assault team to capture the railguns while the Rossi cripples Medina's weapons and communications to stop anyone who makes it through the ring. Avasarala is dubious, but Holden insists he'll get it done. <laughs> He's all about uh, being an optimist, right? <laughs> uh, on the Pella, Philip is ordered to back to the bridge as Rosenfeld believes Marco is better with Philip at his side. He overhears the chatter about Drummer joining the Inners, and Marco teases that Duarte may be sending something to help. Unseen by the two of them, the Giambattista approaches the ring 
the Rosinante crew prepares for the battle ahead. Holden and Bobby dis- uh, discuss the Tachi and Alex as they prepare uh, her suit. Naomi asks Colarissa for a favor so she and Amos can talk, looking back on the relationship and how his and Clarissa's is similar. Clarissa has a health scare and learns that her mods have led to a condition with a life expectancy of only five years. To distract herself, she makes a homemade meal for the crew who help her set the table as they have their own conversations. Naomi opens up to Holden about Clarissa, while Amos tells Clarissa he's joining the assault team and leaving her behind as the ship's mechanic. They finally all share a meal together. Yeah, so this is this is loaded. There's a a lot of um if you look at the numbers of the episode, this is just over an hour. Um if you cut out the credits and the opening sequence, we're still over 60 minutes and the build up to the climax of the episode only takes about 20 22 minutes something like that where the battle actually starts. Um, so there's a lot that happens um, in in the climax battle itself. So this is a, an action-packed episode. This preparatory setup's all about what's about to, about to hit. Yeah, there is quite a bit to to unpack here. Um, I, I think that maybe because it was something that we discussed um, a lot in the uh, last episode. Um, focusing on the Pella and Philip's reaction to the rise of um, everybody um, being on Duarte, uh, sorry, being on Marco's side was very telling. Um, he still has a lot of resentment from what he found out previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's very interesting to see where he starts. And obviously we're going to talk about like, what happens um, at the very end, but it's setting up almost like his betrayal um, of the Free Navy. Yeah, there's so much going on here. Like, I don't even know what I want to talk about first. (laughs) I do love that Philip, like, when Philip comes on the bridge, he's very, like, distrusting of why he's back. Because uh, he was like literally banished mm-hmm. <laughs> from Marco's sight. Um, and now, but now, you know, Roosevelt's like, listen, we're about to go into the fight, you know, and he does his best thinking when you're around, which isn't true. It just yeah. isn't true. Uh, and so she convinced him to bring him back up. Um, but they don't even talk. They don't even talk in this, in this sequence. Because um, he's over. Uh, talking to Rosenfeld about their plans. And I will say what's really interesting, there's a shot that focuses on the John Batista moving closer to the ring. But before that shot, while they're talking, you can actually see it between them in the frame. And there's a little tiny triangle next to it with no name. And that's that's the Rocinante. And mm-hmm. I'm like, they have no idea. Honey, you got a big storm coming. Yeah. Um, I just loved that you could see it before even they bring it up to you if you're watching it. I think I noticed it on my second or third viewing that it's there. And then, of course, they have the shot that's focused on it getting closer and closer. Um, you also hear uh, other members of the crew 
kind of making fun of Drummer for allying with Earth and Mars and yeah. saying that, you know, she's licking their boots or, or what have you. And um, just very interesting to hear, like, the perspectives from, like, this other side, the conquering side, the side that abandoned series, like, making fun of Drummer, the one who, like, saved series. Just very interesting. Um, speaking of Drummer, I think my favorite moment of of the first scene on the Zenobia is when she finally gives up her pride and compliments Holden. Yeah. I it's just it's actually just a really sweet moment. You have these two characters who are so alike. They are so alike. Holden and Drummer are Naomi has a type, okay? Naomi has a type and Marco, Drummer and Holden all fit squarely into it. Um but you have these two characters who are so alike, and Holden, I think, has always wanted Drummer to like him. Drummer, uh, Holden respects Drummer a lot. I think Drummer respects Holden, but, like, she's never going to admit it because he's an Earther, and she will never admit that an Earther impressed her. Until now, when he details this plan about, you know, throwing all these, <laughs> all these shipping containers, which just reminds me of FedEx in Season yeah. 2. Throwing all these shipping containers at Medina to overwhelm them and hide the assault team. And it, it is. It's, it's ingenious. It's so buck wild that you would not even think it's a possibility. And she looks at Holden and she just says, you know, he says, we've come up with a plan to distract the guns, make ourselves a much harder target. And we'll get to that in a minute. And Trevor just cuts in. It's quite ingenious, actually. Would make a belter proud. And Holden's face. When he goes, thank you. Like, he is touched. He's like, oh, my God, Senpai noticed me. Like, I just really loved that moment because Drummer has always been hesitant to credit Holden because of, like, who he is and their dubious connection to each other, even though they've saved each other multiple times. Uh, I was even talking about it today in season two when she gets shot. Holden is right there, puts his hand, like, staunches the blood with his own bare hand, which is so unhealthy, Holden so bad um but they have this shared history that's really complicated and so that's why i think drummer has always respected him but she's never wanted to admit it and now we have this moment where we're going into a final battle and you really don't want to leave anything off the table and he gives them this plan and she's like no it's it's really great and it's nice to kind of see them come together a little bit because it informs other moments yeah later in the episode as well um, and I really loved Avasarala making fun of Holden's optimism. I, I enjoy those <laughs> moments. I, every single time that they're together, she's just like an eye roll away from losing her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always say that she's like the grumpy cat to Holden's golden retriever. Yeah. Like he just wants to be her friend and she just wants nothing to do with them. But it's, it's a really great little tiny moment after years of history to finally have like that, that common ground and, and to kind of be like, that's really smart. Like, and, and there was a character in season three when um, she's convincing Egan, the Holden's guard on, but the behemoth, when she says like, you know, it's okay if you don't want to do this. And he go he says her Eros Ganymede, he's a belter too. And she gives him this look like, don't ever say that to me again. But I think she's starting to realize he's picked up. He actually has learned a lot 
from his time with Naomi, working with other belters, not just changing his perspective, but even picking up ideas that only a belter would come up with. And it's just, it's really great to finally see her like come to the, to that, not realization, because she's probably already known it, but to finally accept that maybe she was a little bit wrong about him and see that maybe they could be allies. And again, that's going to be important later. But I, I just love that. Not and, to like jump to the uh, end, but we have like the FedEx shipping containers that are just being like mass dumped into <laughs> the, the ring space. Yeah. Who's going to clean that up? <laughs> Some of them are going to All gonna, those no. lost packages. Man, I, I know what's going to happen. They're going to go into that weird between space. Remember how they said they used to launch probes at the blue space and, and to see what would happen? Those things would just disappear and no one knew where they went. So they're either going to do that or they're going to end up in some rando ring space. Somebody's going to come across it like, what the hell is this? We didn't order this. Like, this isn't wrong address, buddy. But you, you bring up a fair point. A lot of debris. Holden, what are you thinking? That's not smart, buddy. That's that's littering. Littering, Holden. Well, I, I think what's going to happen now, Drummer, why she thanked him for uh, this <laughs> ingenious idea, is she is also thinking that she gets to charge Earth for the cleanup effort. <laughs> true. That's very true. Because no Earth is going to be cleaning that up. That's no, going to be the not. belt. Yeah, wow. exactly. And that's where the expanse do begin. <laughs> um. And I think because we always got to talk about Fred's boyfriend, let's let's talk about that family. Well, not just the family dinner, but the lead up to the family dinner. Let's talk about the Rocinante crew. This is their final episode together. This is the final story, final battle. And so they have this these nice quiet moments before the battle begins. So to to go back to your original conversation, so is this the final supper? No. The last supper? There was a really good article about that. I don't know if I sent it to you, but there's a very good article about that. And it it is. It's one of those Last Supper like moments. moments. And you always get those in things like this. The final coming together of the heroes. I'll, I'll tweet the Salon article again. I'll send it to you guys. It's really good, but it talks about that theme of like final suppers and in media and things like that. What is also very interesting is that this brings back like a callback to the lasagna. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of nice. Yeah, we do have a fallen comrade, but like it's good to be able to build something once again um, and building bridges and br- building those alliances and just coming together when everybody was so separated for so long and um, it's just nice to see them come together once again. Yeah. yeah, I really loved every single conversation we saw. Holden and Bobby, who have always re- always respected each other and, and worked really well together, talking about the Tachi. Um, yeah. And, and uh, Alex's line, I wish we'd heard him say it in the show. I think he does say it in the books, though. Um, but that line, like, you know, the, the Rossi's... You know, she's not, a sh- you know, she's a, a smart ship. She picks people who are, like, good enough to fly her. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was really, really great. And Holden was clearly very touched by that as well. Um, and I, I also thought it was a nice little touch, like, because they were all kind of, like, picking on his flying. 
Like, I think it's also kind of like a little bit of a, she picks the right people to, to fly her and you're looking at James Holden, the captain of the ship, who's been flying her this whole season. Um, so that was nice. Um, obviously, 100% here for Naomi and Amos because the conflict between them has broken my heart. And, and here they are having a nice little coming together and talking about what their relationship means and, um, and how well, it... I- Going into Clarissa. <clears throat> yeah, I think the events of season six has really tested them as a crew, just being mm-hmm. in that yeah. uh, that high-stress environment for what yeah. was it, 180-something days. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a toll on any relationship. Yeah. Um, and they needed to have a blow-up to have the recovery, and this mm-hmm. is where we finally are at. Yeah. I, I also just loved, like, that's my job. You know that. Why are you giving her my job? But I, I also just really like, first of all, I do have to say, they you, you guys remember the Origin comics that yep. came out a few years ago? They contradicted the Origin comics here. Because uh, I forget what Naomi says, but uh, according to the Origin comics, she was on the Rossi first. Or not the Rossi, sorry, the Cant. And Amos was brought on later and put under her charge. But here she's saying, like, she had started and he was already there and he was giving her a hard time. Obviously, it, it doesn't bother me. I think it's a very cute story. And both of them are really great tellings of how their relationships work. Um, but I really love how she was like, I thought I thought you were messing with me, man. I thought you were giving me a hard time. I I thought you didn't like me. Mm-hmm. Um. But realizing what like what boss means and how how he used it for her and now Clarissa's using it for him and how it's someone you can look to to guide you, not 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 just your boss, but like the person you look to to guide you in either your career or your your life or your motivations. And now he's become that for Clarissa. It's just a really nice moment for them after like. After everything. Yeah. I agree uh, with that. Oh, that was great. It's too bad it didn't end well for Clarissa. <laughs> Man, that sucks. It sucks, but here she is making a, a beautiful meal to distract herself from the inevitability. Well, like, we, we I all think look this for story things. went on, there's always the option of a protocol, protomolecule band-aid for Clarissa. Ah. ah. So, okay, that's true. Maybe uh, the dogs could fix her. Maybe. The dogs could fix her. The Brody, the Brody. <laughs> molecule could fix her. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, we get our final dinner scene. Which, yeah, it, it harkens back to the lasagna scene. I like how they had a lot of callbacks in it. Like, the red kibble and Bobby, like, please don't. Please no. <laughs> and honestly, the look on Holden's face when she said that kind of makes me feel like Holden's the only one who willingly eats red kibble. Yep. And it's probably just to keep Naomi happy. <laughs> like, something in the look on his face when Bobby said that was just like, that man is probably the only one who eats it. <laughs> um, well, in the books, even Amos um, makes reference to this scene and calls red kibble prison food. Yeah. Yeah, they they do not like it. And that's why I thought it, I thought it was... I, to this day, I think it's funny. I think Holden was the only one we don't see eat it because he was fighting with Naomi. So, like, it, it's interesting. I wonder if he does defend Ray Kibble to them. Like, please, that's my girlfriend's cooking you're talking about. Um, 
But I I just loved all the interactions in this. Like, you know, when Holden came and found her and she's like, I'll set the table. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone it was like tried a Christmas to, dinner. It was, it was a Christmas dinner between Holden setting the table and Naomi going over and helping him. Both Bobby and Amos trying to eat out of the pot. Yeah. And I love how Clarissa slaps Amos. And then when Bobby tries to do it, Amos slaps Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I love the progression. And Holden and Naomi watching, like, bemused parents. Like, it's, it's just, everything is so good. And Holden, Naomi's conversation about Clarissa, how Naomi admits that she was projecting onto Clarissa. And, and she's, she stopped doing that now because she sees what Clarissa's trying to do. And Holden saying that he's glad that she sees that now. Amos telling Clarissa that she can take care of the ship. When he said <laughs> there, when she's like, the ship needs a mechanic, he goes, she already has one. Yeah. Amos, he's still oh. my heart. <laughs> like, it just, it's a really emotional scene. And then they, they sit down and they're all eating together. And, you know, it, it's, it is, it's this callback to, to season two. And I, I just, Oh, and, and the line to Amos, you know, for someone who says he doesn't want to be a hero, you sure end up being one a lot. It's just a really great scene. And after seeing everyone fight and disagree all season and, and under, under absolute duress, yeah, seeing them come together for this meal and, and, you know, seeing them all smiling and like you see them all watching each other, like Holden stops to watch each and every one of them, which I thought was interesting. I also loved Clarissa asking him if there was too much salt in the food. Like, it's very quick. No one answers her. But she, like, says it and then looks at him. And I was like, look, that was, I still think that was one of the funniest scenes in the season. When, when he, they were eating together. And he was like, that's a lot of salt. What was that? Season, episode two? Uh, I think it was episode four. Or four. Yeah, that, yeah. They're it was all after... kind of mushed together now. Yeah, it was after he talked to Naomi. Right, right, and, yes. And everyone was mad about the missile, and he was, like, very clearly upset. And she was like, you know, it's okay to not kill someone. And then sits there just doing this. And yeah. I'm just like, suicide by salt. Girl? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is one of the, it's one of the symptoms of her condition as well. It, it does say on the screen, like, salt craving. Mm -hmm. So I do love that, like, she kind of turns it into a joke instead of something to be sad about. It's like, oh, is, is, it, is there enough salt? Is that an acceptable amount of salt? Um, but it's just that episode, that scene made me feel so full, which is good because it's about to get real stressful. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we can lead to the interception right now. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All right. The interception. The Zenobia finds a ship that matches the Pella's drive signature. A young officer talks to her about his concern, or talks to Avasarala about his concerns for her safety, then his frustration with the Belters not being more grateful to her. Blech. But Avasarala knows that their efforts to reach out to the Belters on an even playing field might have been too little too late. Drummer prepares for battle. They disagree on who to target. Drummer wants to take out the frigate, but Walker wants to capture the freighter and take Marco's supplies. The attack begins. When it appears that the freighter is taking damage, Drummer orders them to fire on the frigate, not the freighter. Avasarala watches as the Pella takes a direct hit, but realizes it's dropping back without returning fire. The drive signature match drops, and she realizes they've been tricked. Drummer also realizes, I use that word so many times, the freighter isn't taking damage, it's dropping parts. 
and the framework falls away to reveal the Pella hidden inside it. The Pella fires on the Belter ships, disabling the Tynan and many others. She orders the OPA to fall back with the intent of crashing the Tynan into the Pella, but Walker figures out her plan and decides to do it himself. The debris from his ship slam into the Pella, damaging it and killing Rosenfeld. Drummer pulls back, returning to the fleet as the remaining free Navy ships continue on to the ring. I mean, this is the exact same move that the Rosinante did a couple seasons ago. That was in my notes. I was so excited. I was like, please, one of you guys say it first, because otherwise I'm going to just scream it. <laughs> so they should have figured it out. And to their credit, they did figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they caught the bait. They threw some weapons at it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, they, they threw some weapons at it. And yeah, they were able to figure it out pretty quickly. But still, the the... They've kind of fell to the trap. Yeah. That was my very first thought, too. I was like, oh, my God. Just like the, the yes. yes. I was like, just just like in season one when they're escaping Eros and Alex is like, enough with this gas freighter bull Bucky. stuff. And then drops the the frigate disguise. I, I immediately had the same thought. I was like, wow, what a clever callback. Yeah. Uh, to a strategy that's been used by the main characters. Yet another parallel. Stop, stop making me Bring fall in, in the, love with you, show yeah, writers. It's never going to work. Um, but yeah, basically, they're sitting here. Everybody's fallen for a different trick. You have Avasarala thinks she's attacking the Pella. No. Drummer and her team think they're, that they're, that's just a freighter we can capture. No. And it's just, everything's kind of falling apart uh and drummer is ready to sacrifice herself for the cause uh to save the rest of the ships that survived but uh you know walker is like i can do this instead because i think walker has realized the same thing avasarala realizes and that drummer is like a de facto leader for the belt and maybe walker sees that the belt needs drummer more than it needs him uh so he kind of cuts her off and and sacrifices himself for the cause instead, uh, leaving the Tynan alive to get the other survivors out. Um, and I mean, obviously, I love that she, uh, you know, says, you know, to the Rossi, um, which is good hunting. Um, but it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it happens very fast. But um, every loss is on all sides. You know, the Pella gets damaged. We Rosenfeld dies. Walker sacrifices himself to save everybody. Drummer loses parts of her crew. They almost trick you into thinking Drummer's dead for a hot second. Yeah. yeah. But well, all all Drummer got was a uh, uh, sunroof. <laughs> you know what? We also got a call back to. Who lost his head? Shed. Yay! Yeah, we got a little uh, flashback to, or like a trigger. Um, to Shed's demise when um, Drummer's, um, I, I guess you can say like part of co-pilot, it um, got blown into smithereens. That was a nice shot, though. Yeah. CQB. Yeah. Um, I also really, really enjoyed the interaction with Tanan. Um, his uh, was that like is that his name? 
No, no, the guy. Um, Tanan is the ship. Is it Walker? Yeah, Walker. Yang Walker. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walker. Um, just the final moment with Walker. Um, I thought like, again, it's like, oh, I thought he was gonna be an a hole, just like, um. Sure. Ashford and like no you grow to like him and all of a sudden like he has to die it's like (laughs) seriously give me a break my heart can't take this no more yeah but I enjoyed his he went out like a boss Mm -hmm. like a Uh, effing pharaoh yeah I'm sorry but the Pella I don't think would have survived as well as it did if that was reality well, the other thing was, was that it wasn't technically a direct hit either, because as Walker is shooting his ship towards them, his ship gets hit by another ship. And so it kind of sideswipes the the Pella instead of like really does what he was hoping it would do is that his ship would crash into it and explode it. Um, so if I recall correctly, um, Walker's ship gets split into two mm-hmm. and half of his ship sideswipes the Pella. Mm-hmm. I still think there would be more damage than just uh, some outer armor mm-hmm. damage. Um, well, people do die inside the ship. Rosenthal yeah, gets I, taken out. I think that's from the shock. And then there was also, um, it looked like what was, um, I don't know if it was just incoming shrapnel or if there mm-hmm. was um, PDC rounds. Mm-hmm. That also hit at the same time. I, I'd have to play back that scene multiple times, but there was a lot going on, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, I also think part of it is he has a better built ship than Walker probably did. Yeah, and and to say the OPA does not have ships that were built with the intention of warfare, Mm -hmm. where the Pella was a Martian design with the build of and purpose of warfare. Yeah. So it was stronger. It had more airlocks. It had Mm -hmm. a stronger outer hull, a stronger inner hull. and better ways and uh, better redundancy to to survive a strike. It's probably stronger than the Rasinante too, because it's a a, a higher oh. class warship as well. Yeah, the Rasinante is just a gunship for Marines, mm-hmm. uh, where the Pella is. Um, I, I forget what the class they would refer to it in the books, but I, I think it's. Um, I'm gonna look it up while you're talking. I don't think it's a battleship, but it's. Um, uh can't recall i am oh it says it's an un according to the wiki it's an unknown class but it is a light cruiser um so it wasn't a donager class like the big big ships but it was yeah one of the smaller ones a frigate yeah. that was the word i was looking for frigate yeah yeah and it's smaller than the Shiraco as well for okay. point of reference um, cause it is a light cruiser. Like it's not, it's probably better armored than some ships. Um, but it's still meant to be fast, uh, more than anything else. Um, it, it's meant to kind of, I guess, be a little faster and a little stronger than, uh, the Corvette class, which is the Rasinante, cause it is a bigger ship than the Rasinante, but it, it, it looks like it's more meant for, for speed than it is, uh, possibly heavy fire as it, it does have four giant engines for the size mm-hmm. ship it is so it has some thrust yeah he has some boom 
But you know what they don't have? A rail what? gun. What? They don't have a rail gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't have a Bobby either. No, nope. they don't. Remember, he fired his pilot. <laughs> yeah. All right. So are we ready to you talk about, him out the door. about the assault? <laughs> Let's do it. Hello, everyone. It's Editing Shannon here to give you our listener feedback as well as a little bit of news. So as I announced in our previous episode and on Twitter, we are breaking our uh, finale breakdown into two episodes. So this is where the first one's going to end right before we kind of cut into the climax of the finale, as well as like, you know, kind of a natural stopping point. And I'm going to read the listener responses about, you know, what people were hoping to see in the finale and what they thought of the previous episode, uh, 605, Why We Fight. And then on Monday or Tuesday, uh, depending on how work shakes out, because it's been pretty bad, um, I will release the second part of the finale coverage, which will have reactions to the finale. Uh, Another reason why it might not be out till Tuesday is because I want to give more people or as many people the chance to react to the episode as possible to read uh, in our next response, you know, uh, segment. The other thing is we are currently working on our uh, season six roundup, which will also be in two parts. However, those two parts will probably be released at the same time, just kind of broken up to make it easier for you to listen to. We'll be putting out the question to respond to for that episode um, probably after uh, our next episode drops. So sometime in the next week, and then we'll have those episodes out about the week after. Pretty quick turnaround. So as you know, we asked, you know, what your favorite part of The Expanse 605, Why We Fight, as well as what you were looking forward to in the finale. So I'm going to read some answers for you now. Hassan Scarborough, Fetmatic on Twitter, said seeing Philip helping out his fellow Belter brother, seeing Drummer and her fleet and Earth and MCRN's fleet in the battle for the system against Marco's fleet and the dangerous railgun. The future is now. The future 72197429 said Drummer meeting Avasarala wasn't an alliance but a passing of the baton. Avasarala became Queen of Earth, but Drummer could be in charge of Medina and the Belt, Queen of Space. I've not read the books, so no spoilers there. String Along, String underscore Along, said, My favorite part was the meeting of Avasarala and Drummer, two titans who can change things together. But I'm not looking forward to the end, though I want to see how they end Kara's story. Edinburgh 78 Edinburgh said the pride welling up in Marco when he watched his son give the this is war speech. Shame he'll be disappointed then, isn't it? Uh, Putri Fraser, P-T-R-F-R-S said all of the tears, all of the tears and Avasarala's outfit, of course. Oh, and glittery Amos. I laughed so loud at this and the Bobby Amos interactions. My son had to move away from me. Oops. <laughs> Don't we all have that problem? Uh, Kenny, Dude Sticks on Twitter, said, I want to see the crew of the Rossi kick butt and save humanity again. A. Bolin, A. Bolin said, Favorite part was the epic meeting of Avasarala and Drummer. That coat itself deserves a mention. 
What I'm hoping for is Doctor Who, the Doctor Dances ending, everybody, everybody lives. Listen to our next episode because <laughs> I did kind of reference your tweet in that a little bit. Uh, not the next episode, I'm sorry, the, ne- the uh, season six roundup. Neo, or s- underscore Saint Zhao, said, well, didn't say really so much as sent an image of the hug between Naomi and Drummer. Same. Myler James, Myler James on Twitter said, when Naomi confronted Drummer and Drummer broke down, realizing she had no choice, beautifully done and set up the Drummer Avasarala scene, it's self-wonderful. Betty Laven, Betty Laven on Twitter, who has the absolute perfect picture for this, by the way, said, the dog creatures will save the universe, but not Marco. <laughs> Living that NFT life on the block coin, LJ said, Drummer, that's the tweet. Team Jorts, Martha Carvey, said, Drummer saying farewell to her beloved builders. Heartbreaking. Uh, Aria Kihan, Aria Geddon, said Closure or a Drummer spinoff. I hope you found Closure, and there is a Drummer spinoff if you play video games. So it's called The Expanse of Telltale series. Ian Madison, IJ Mad, said that handshake. Uh, T'Challa L, our middle seven, said, My fave part of 605 was Amos asking Bobby if she wanted to come to the brothel. Bobby asking for clarification. Amos is probably whatever with that look and Bobby considering his offer. With uh, a gif of Wes saying, you're my special guest. Uh, Daughter of a Marine, Laurie Rossi 2, said, Two badass women meeting in person. Avasarala and Drummer, The Future of Humanity. Lori, Lorbot, said, Kara uh, G, seen the end with F-U, you self-righteous S, F-U, F-U. Obviously, I have to cut my cursing. We probably cursed enough for one episode. So angry, raw, and vulnerable. She's shown in this episode. I'm looking forward to going, what in amazement at the end. Will Oye Beltalota Urkuhart, Urkuwill on Twitter, said, Fave part has to be drummer making me cry with nothing more than a F-U. Very eager to see how they adapt the book six ending for what needs to be a satisfying indefinite pause. Of all the books, I think it's the best ending for that, so I'm optimistic about it. And I agree. And I talked about that in our season six recap, how I feel about um, kind of all that, uh, about ending uh, with book six, season six. So we asked you guys to kind of tell us what your hope for the finale episode was. And we got a lot of responses that were like hopes for a surprise or hopes for like more stuff. And I didn't read them here uh, just because we got quite a few of them. And, you know, I specifically wanted to talk about hopes for the finale episode, not necessarily like if the finale episode had an answer to if we were getting more show So I decided to kind of hold on to those, maybe read some of them uh, for the next episode where we cover the second half of the finale episode. Um, But also just because, you know, I, I wanted to make sure we focused on what we had in front of us, which was the finale episode, especially if we're still talking about the finale episode, not necessarily what comes after the finale episode. Um, we have these six episodes and that's what we kind of aim to talk about. 
and we can talk about hopes for the future uh, in our maybe our second episode here or even in our season six recap. But uh, for now, those replies, I'm just going to hold on to. I'm not going to read them on the episode. I just want to focus on the episode currently in front of us. Um, and maybe we can come back to that uh, in future responses. All that said, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Like I said, keep an eye out for part two of our finale coverage, which will probably be out Tuesday so I can have enough time to gather enough responses from you guys uh, to make sure enough voices are heard about the finale episode, which is personally one of my favorite episodes of The Expanse overall. So I'm very excited to hear what everybody thinks of it. I am recording this the night before the episode uh, airs for everyone. So I'm very excited to hear what people think. Uh, you can find us on the type beam. I'll put out a question asking for your thoughts on the finale within the next day or two. And then we can get you guys roped in. After that, I'll be asking for your responses on the season as a whole so that I can plug that into our uh, season six roundup episode, which will be coming out in the next week or two. Uh, like I said, uh, it's going to be broken up into two episodes as well, just because it's very long, but we will be releasing them at the same time. Unlike this episode, which will be broken up by a couple of days just to give you guys time to respond. So thank you so much for supporting our show this season. And for the last few years, we're really proud of what we've done and we've really loved getting to make this show together and getting to talk to the fans and uh, kind of getting better as, as podcasters and, you know, kind of learning from each other and learning from you guys. This show means a lot to me. This is my baby. I'm the one who pitched it. Um, kind of seeing it wind down when it comes to the show is bittersweet and emotional for me. So I'm just really grateful that you guys have been here on this journey with us uh, for the last few years and so grateful for everything you've done for us. Thank you so much for giving us a chance and bringing us into your homes figuratively and, you know, allowing us to kind of <laughs> rant at you for hours on end since 2018. Uh, my dog's starting to bark, so I'm thinking that's time to wrap it up. Um, but I'll see you in part two of the finale episode. Thank you so much again. And as always, remember the cant. Rasinante out.